You're listening to The Purpose Filter, the show that helps living people apply dying lessons before it's too late. My name is Louie Cathy Zhang, and I'm here to help you live a more fulfilling, meaningful life by helping you filter out the noise and focus on what's truly important. Today, we are talking about stories. Specifically, what stories do you want people to tell about you once you're gone? And this has nothing to do with whether you have kids or not. This is about your legacy. How do you want people to remember you once your physical body is no longer? I bet that you have someone in your life who has been gone for a while now, who still has an impact on you to this day. Maybe it's someone you know personally, like a grandparent or a relative, or maybe it's a famous figure in history like Nelson Mandela. What ties these people together isn't their physical attributes or even the work that they did. It's the impact that they had on other people's lives, an impact that still lives on today. So that's what we'll explore in this episode. What stories we're writing with the lives that we currently have, what's already been written, and the stories yet untold, brimming with possibility, but only if we decide to become the author or the narrator and the main character of our lives instead of the person that all the things happen to in the story that you kind of pity. So if you've been feeling a little lost or stuck or confused about the way forward, give me 25 minutes of your time and I promise you will find a little golden nugget that's going to change how you live going forward. Let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of The Purpose Filter. It is fall and it is prime time for decluttering. So I was going through some old photographs in the basement with my parents and we found some pictures of my grandparents and we started talking about our family, our ancestry, where we've come from. And as a child, I'm an only child, I never really asked about this. My entire extended family, aside from my parents, are back in China. And I never really thought about it as a kid. But lately, I've been thinking a lot about knowing where we've come from to be able to see where we're going in the future. And that's really what this episode is all about. And yes, I'm going to tell another Oprah story because I love Oprah. Sorry, no big surprise there. But she has a painting in her living room. It's called To the Highest Bitter. It's by Henry Roseland. It was painted uh, like early 1900s. And it depicts a slave mother and her child. And they're at the auction block, essentially. And she and Oprah also has a ledger written down of the price each slave sold for. And she will go by and she will read these names out loud you know, this person, $800, this child, $600. And it reminds her of how far she's come and how far she has yet to go, how far her people, how far history has come and how far history has yet to go. And I thought that was such a powerful reminder of that. And it's a sobering reminder as well. And so my dad was telling me about my great-grandfather, his grandfather, who raised him as a child because his mom died when he was a teen. So his grandfather had to raise him. His father wasn't really in the picture. And great-grandpappy, apparently, was a bit of a scoundrel. He was a chain smoker. He was a taxi driver, which in the early 1900s in China was a big deal to have an access to a car. And so he was pretty well off. 
My dad told me a story about how great-grandfather was driving his cab behind a rickshaw driver, you know, kind of those pedicabs. And there was not a lot of room. He honked his horn. The rickshaw driver didn't move. So he was like, okay, I'm going to slowly, calmly drive behind you. And then when he had room, he drove right up next to this um, pedicab person. And in China, they have these feather dusters back then where it's like a feather duster and then the handle's made out of bamboo. And so what my great-grandfather did apparently was he took the feather duster, but he held it on the feather end and then whacked the um, pedicab driver in the head with the bamboo handle side. So I never condone violence and that is not some, that is not a story I'm very proud of, but it does make sense where I get my good sense of direction from. And again, another story, a bit of a scoundrel. Apparently some gangsters wanted to go to his house to get some money from him. And he beat up the guy that they sent so badly that he then picked him up, kind of like a sack of potatoes or rice, and then just chucked him out the window. Apparently that did not make the gangsters very happy. And so they came back with guns to try and find him and presumably kill him. But he had fled already. So... That's uh, <laughs> that's a little bit of my ancestry there from my dad's side. And on the flip side, my great-grandmother, my mother's grandmother, was a devout Buddhist, and she grew up in the countryside in China and then went to Shanghai to find work. She ended up working for the CEO of a big, big movie production company back then. Huge deal, right? Lots of money. And so she started working as part of their staff, ended up working her way up where she eventually became kind of like their head of household, where she had all the keys, she had a whole bunch of staff, she brought family members and friends from the countryside to work for her in Shanghai. And at one point, apparently during the Cultural Revolution, there were some officers that came to the house, this mansion she was working in, and told her to give them money and held her at gunpoint, actually. It was, interestingly enough, a lot of guns in this uh, family history. And she was like, look, this is all the money that I have. I will give it to you, but I need to save the rest. I need to pay my staff. She was like, you can kill me if you want, but this is it. You're not going to get any more. And I was like, damn, <laughs> like the ovaries on this woman to just stand there at gunpoint and be like, you can kill me if you want. Like, sorry, you're not getting anything else. And so, you know, obviously she did not die. Otherwise, you know, none of us would be here. But it just made me think about the type of person that she was. She was also an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a real estate investor, all of these things that I had no idea up until, you know, a couple weeks ago. And what's so interesting to me after hearing these stories about my great-grandfather and my great-grandmother is that both of them had access to a lot of money. And when the Cultural Revolution happened in China, they abandoned the money in exchange for their lives. They knew what the authorities would do to them if they found them with it, right? My great-grandfather owned a townhome. It was like a two-story house. It was worth a ton of money. And they took the house from him, they seized it, they rationed it to the poor, and then he could have taken it back years later, but then he was like, you know what, F that, let them have it, I'm still alive, 
it's totally fine with me. My great-grandmother apparently had literal gold bars, just like stacks of gold bars in her house, and she threw it in the river. And someone said to her, look, you don't have to part ways with your gold, but you better be damn well prepared to find yourself at the bottom of the river with it if you don't want to part ways with it, because that's what they're going to do to you. And so she let it go. And it made me think, what would you discard if it meant staying alive? What would you give up? Also, we worry so much about money, and to be honest, rightfully so in many cases, But in that scenario, in life and death situations, if money isn't important, then you have to think, what else isn't important? What else do we really, really care about and obsess about and worry about that when you take a step back, you're like, this kind of isn't as important as I thought it was. Maybe it's other people's opinions. Maybe it's your work, your productivity, meeting your quarterly numbers, Or will you be able to get your hands on the new limited release of the car you've been coveting or that luxury handbag you've always wanted? It really gives people a perspective on what truly matters in life. And look, I see this every single day with my patients. They're like, oh my God, what I would give to not be sick. What I would give to be able to eat food normally without feeling immediately nauseous, without having to vomit everything up because I have a blockage. They're like, I wish I had the clarity to think about life in a way that makes sense with the gift of 2020 hindsight. That's the opportunity that we all have today if we're intentional about it. And so when it comes to stories, there is nothing quite like a looming sense of impending death to make you reflect back on your life. You know, it's morbid, but it's true. And what I love most actually is the little stories. You get such a nuanced sense of who someone is by the stories they choose to tell. Like I had a patient recently He had pancreatic cancer, and I was seeing him for pain. He was like, oh, we started talking. I wanted to know more about him. And so I asked him, and he told me he had worked for this company for 16 years. He's like, do you want to see my retirement video? I was like, of course, I want to see your retirement video. I want to see photos. I want to see who you are outside of this hospital bed, outside of this building. And so he showed me his retirement party video that they created for him. And there was a sign there and it said, we'll miss you, Hammer. And I was like, "What? what's Hammer? Is that your nickname? And he goes, yeah, that's what they call me. And he goes, well, when I was younger, I grew up in the hood and there were these kids trying to mess with me. And I turned around and I chased them with a hammer and they never messed with me again. And so the nickname stuck. And I was like, that is the best story. I love that. I'm going to call you Hammer from now on. He's like, okay. He actually, he died probably, I would say, a few weeks ago in our uh, in our hospital. But it was, it was really nice to be able to hear that from him and to be able to connect that way. I've also had another patient. The patient herself was like 90. She had a stroke and she was having a lot of confusion. But I was mostly talking with her partner, who I initially thought was her son because he was so much younger, like 20, 30 years younger than her. And so we started talking about her and they'd been together for decades. 
And I was like, how did you guys meet? And he said, let's just say I was in the playpen and she had the rattle. Okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's, I love, that's amazing. I love that. Um, but he was so, so devoted to her. But again, it's these little stories that people tell that really give you a sense of who they are. And that is the best part of my job, hands down, is getting to know people. Like, can you believe that they actually pay me to sit and talk to people about these things? It's pretty darn cool, you know? Yeah. And so those stories help us better understand the world around us and the people who are in it. And so I love to break this down kind of time now looking backwards and then also looking forwards so we can apply this to our own lives to help us be even more fulfilled and derive even more gratitude and pleasure and fun from life. So the first one is looking backwards. If you can, go and do the same thing that I did. If it's available to you, go talk with your parents, with your family, find out more about who you are, where you came from, the people who came before you, these kind of origin stories. And not just like, what did my grandfather do? What did my grandmother do? What did our ancestors do? Where did they live? But really, what did they think? How did they feel? What stories did your grandparents tell your parents over and over again? What lessons did they teach? And what's the guiding principle of your lineage? If you ask my mom, she'll say it's kindness because that's what my great-grandmother instilled in her and just made it a priority in her life and how she lived. And maybe there's a common theme that you've noticed from generation to generation. And it may not be a positive one either, right? If you listen to my guest, Kelly Casperson, back in episode 54, she talked about how addiction and alcoholism was this thing that was plaguing her family in a sense. And if you listen to that episode, you can see now how it's informed her life, how she raises her kids, how she you know, relates to her emotions with anger or addiction or things like that. And so that is something that's really powerful to distill, to find out like, what do we all have in common? Me, my parents, my aunts, uncles, my grandparents, great grandparents, that sort of thing. And remember what I said at the very beginning, to be able to know where you're going, that Oprah story, you have to know where you've been. And so I once was in New Orleans. I went to a voodoo shop. I'm very woo. Like it, it is what it is. And this, um, she read tea leaves for me and she also did a reading for me. And she said, you have an elderly woman who is around you, who's taking care of you, who's keeping you safe. And I always thought it was my grandmother. And I think it still is. But my mom told me that my grandmother wasn't the most, uh, I guess you could say, ambitious person. And so as she started telling me about my great-grandmother, it started to all make sense. I actually started crying because I recognized that my ambitions, why I want to do all of this, why I started the podcast, the coaching business, all of this stuff comes from my great-grandmother because she was an entrepreneur, because she was a philanthropist, because she valued kindness and she wanted to make an impact on her community and the people around her. And it just brought such a sense of peace to me because 
I realized that it wasn't just planted in me. And maybe you feel the same way as well. Maybe there's something inside of you that you're just like, I don't know where this is coming from, but it's just there. And that is wisdom. That is your ancestral lineage, all of the insights and the lessons that they have learned and passed down to you, that resides within you. Maybe you come from a family of teachers, maybe professors or mentors or advisors. Maybe it's music and entertainment. Maybe you're not a musician, but is that something that you want to carry on? Maybe is that something you want to tap into? That knowledge, that know-how, those instincts are there if you choose to leverage them to your benefit. Okay, and so the second question is going forward in time from now until the end of your life. What story are you going to write moving forward? What stories will your friends and your family tell about you when you pass? You know, are they going to say, oh, Bill was a nice guy. He lived a good life. You know, but I think he always wanted to write a novel because he kept talking about it. And I don't know, I, I guess he just never got around to it. He had such great ideas, but I don't know. I guess he just got scared. Or are they going to say, oh, Diana, you know, she was such a great computer programmer. She worked really hard and she got all the promotions and that was really great. But I know that she wanted to do more creative pursuits. And I think she regretted it when she realized that she was dying. You know, she had such a kind heart. She was very loving to her friends and family, but she always seemed to put herself last. Or are they going to say, oh my God, Sarah was such a visionary. She had a plan. She had a huge goal that seemed impossible, but she decided one day that she wasn't going to live her life the way that she had been. And she did everything she could to change the course of her life and the lives of her family and friends. But man, she fucking did it. She got as much out of life as anyone possibly could have. Or are they going to say, you know, Mike may not have started a company or changed thousands of people's of lives, but he lived the heck out of each and every day. Mike had the biggest, most vibrant belly laugh. He was always there to remind you to stop worrying, to take it easy, to focus on what's important. He made people feel valuable and he always wanted to be a dad and he was the best dad to his kids. He wasn't perfect, but he left absolutely nothing on the table. So which of those do you want to be your eulogy? How do you want people to describe you? And then, in fact, let's take this one step further. If today, right now, marked the death of the version of you up until now, what would you say about yourself? How's that for a mind bender? If today was the death of the past you, what would you say about yourself? Did I give it my all? Have I held back? What have I been putting off that I should do, that I want to do? In what ways have I played small? How can I change? How can I improve? How can I grow? How can I evolve? Today could be the first day of the rest of your life. You could title it chapter one, even if you're halfway through the book, right? There's this Confucius quote, which is, we all have two lives, but the second starts when you realize you only have one. 
And so you don't have to wait until you get sick. I've been saying this all along. You don't have to wait until something traumatic happens. You don't have to wait until someone you love or care about dies. It starts with a decision. So make a decision. Resolve. What's one thing you're going to change as a result of listening to this episode? Pick one thing. Start there and focus on it. Whether it's your health, your relationships, work, finances, maybe you're going to cut out sugar. Maybe you're going to spend more quality time with your friends. You're going to start a new project at work. You're going to set and stick to a budget and save for your retirement. Write a new story. Tell a new tale. Change the trajectory of your life. Set sail on a new adventure. You already have all of the wisdom of your ancestors within you. So go make them and make yourself proud. Alrighty, so there you have it. Stories, legacy, and how we can use where we've been to inform where we're going. Write a eulogy for your old self prior to today or whichever day you decide that you're going to show up and play full out in life, even more so than you were before. Look, we're only here on this earth for a brief blip of time. So make the most of the time you have while you still can. And look, you already have a sense of the life you desire. What's likely happening is that you won't let yourself dream. Or if you do, that dream seems so impossible that you have no idea where to start. The good news is, is that I can be in your corner coaching you through that entire process, but I can't help you if you keep this to yourself. So if you want to rewrite the story of the rest of your life, then book a call with me now so you can turn those dreams into a reality in a fraction of the time than if you were to go at it alone. Trust me, I've tried it and done it myself. It took me eight years, eight, on my own and about probably six to nine months with a coach. So all you have to do is click on my website, louiecathyzang.com and book a time. Stick around next week for part two of this series of episodes where I share the vulnerable behind the scenes story of why and how this podcast got started. And until then, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I'll see you on the next one.